Welcome to the second pop-up interview for Inbound 17 of Inbound Buzz. I, of course, am Moby Sadiq, and thank you once again for joining me. It's only, whoa, well, start of day three in a minute, um, and I am tired as all that is holy, but I'm here and I'm ready to share, so hopefully you guys are pumped as well. So it was a big night at the Aloft last night, and if you haven't been to Inbound before, if you've been to Inbound and you haven't been to the Aloft during Inbound, it is uh, like a night organized by Marcus Sheridan and George B. Thomas, where they have like either recording or a kind of roundtable informal catch-up, and it was just epic, man. Like just people who just want to learn, no one's got a big ego, no one's trying to show anyone up and try to show that they're smarter than anyone. Honestly, it was a fantastic night. And also, George, it was George B. Thomas's birthday. So if you see him around or you follow him, please hit him up on Twitter, at George B. Thomas. Say happy birthday to him. I know it will go a long way. All right, cool. Let's get straight into it. Now, there is so much to go through, chief amongst those things are the new HubSpot product announcements. These happened yesterday, and I can't wait to dig into them, but I'm going to wait, leave that to the very, very end. I want to go through some of the, the sessions and some key pointers uh, from those sessions yesterday. So the first session was by the George B. Thomas, and what a way to open the Inbound Marketing Conference indeed. And he spoke about habits of highly effective HubSpotters. So this was pertinent to, I guess, most marketers, but specifically those using HubSpot. Very practical, very functional, great stuff as always. Um, a, a couple of quick things I want to share. Like he, and by the way, if you want these slide decks, you will get them, whether you went to Inbound or not. Um, just either email at George B. Thomas or email him at George at the saleslion.com. And he mentioned anyone who does that, he will gladly share the slide. So if you, if you like what you're hearing, definitely do that. Two key things I want to talk about. One, um, Guy, right? So this guy is a pro at like prosumer or you know consumer Guy when it comes to video. And they share like three or four different tiers. So like if you've only got, uh, this is of, of course for video Guy, if you've only got like say $150, there is video Guy for you. Like lack, like the Guy is no longer a, a, a limitation or restriction to video. No one cares that you shot a video through iPhone 4S. In fact, I've seen videos that have been shot on old iPhones that have had millions and millions of views. It is not about that. But with a very, with very, very few quick and cheap, you know, tips and hacks, um, you can make these vid videos look professional. It doesn't have to be Steven Spielberg type stuff. So he gave a couple of tiers. Like if you only want to spend 150 bucks, then this is what you get. If you want to spend a little bit more, like $500, then this is the right tripod to get. Maybe this is the, the right lighting kit uh, you need to get. If you're, you know, slightly a bigger company, now you're investing in video, um, then here's a kit for like $2,000, right? It was like 2000 or 5000 whatever it was. So the, the point is you need to get started, you know, the the lack of gear or the, the expense actually isn't really it, it, it is a silly one like it is you know it's like a quarter of the price of a computer and we all buy computers right um the second thing that i want to talk about that he mentioned was uh workflows so he, he spoke about hubspot and a couple of tips there but just one thing i want to share with you in the time that we have 
is workflow. So he said, look, one thing, if you've got HubSpot and you're not doing this, just go in and do this, right? It's very, very, very simple. Create a workflow where uh, you, the, the requirement for that workflow is anyone who has viewed more than 10 pages of your website, enter them into that workflow. Then have a separate one for anyone who's viewed more than 20 pages of your website. And then anyone who's viewed more than 30 pages. So one for 10, one for 20, one for 30. And how it would work is this, right? Someone visits more than 10 pages of your website. Then HubSpot send pings that uh, your, the sales rep or you an email that says, "Hey, dude, this person has visited X amount of pages. That the last page they visited was this. The last time they converted was this. Um, and here are some key tips and things to keep in mind. Here is a link to the contact record, so you can click on that record and you can see all the other stuff that they did. Really, really simple stuff. Like this is sort of stuff that." You know, like for sales, sales don't care whether it's like HubSpot. They want the warmest leads. They want to know where they're going to spend their most, you know, their most precious hours. And um, for them to have this information at their fingertips and actually not have it, it's silly. So do it. I think it was a great tip. And like I said, hit him up. You'll get the slide uh, slides for everything else that he discussed. But those two were my favorites. The next thing I want to talk about is, so this was really funny, like yesterday I went from George B to Marcus Sheridan, like in not on purpose, this is just the way the, the sessions were structured. So after that, the second session I went to was uh, a session by Marcus Sheridan where he spoke about how to create a truly great inbound culture. Now for those of you who know me uh, or, 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 or listeners of the Inbound Buzz podcast already. I love you guys if you are. Um, you know that I already have a bit of a man crush on this dude, and for good reason. So he he spoke about the idea, and I want to do a full episode about this a little bit later when I get back to Sydney. But he spoke about the importance of having a culture. And if you work in a marketing team or, or an organization that has more than just a couple, of, even actually... Actually, Clementine, if you're listening, I love you. I, I thank you for following me in Sydney and just retweeting, sharing all my stuff. Um, Clementine's gone through this as well in previous roles, where she's been in roles of two or three people, where it is so hard to kind of get them. On. We need to do this inbound stuff, and we need to be creating content and video, and we need to get everyone in a room and understand all the questions that they're asking, and create helpful content for that, and and follow that the inbound methodology. Um, anyone who's tried to do that with someone who was not from the, even in the marketing world, but particularly someone who tried to sell the idea of inbound internally to someone who's not from the marketing world, will understand how hard that can be. It, it can be excruciatingly hard, but the problem is you need to get that buy-in, otherwise inbound is not going to work. So he spoke about that, and he spoke about the idea of how you actually get buy-in, um, how you get everybody on the same page. And funnily enough, inbound... When you actually do inbound, it is a great facilitator of culture in general. Not not a culture for marketing or whatever. In general, like getting people to speak on video, getting them involved is amazing for the brand's culture. So a couple of real quick tips. So uh, when it comes to inbound marketing, one of the key facilitators of that is going to be software, particularly HubSpot. So getting buy-in for a software like HubSpot you have to understand that the language you use with the sales reps and teams, that this isn't a marketing tool, this isn't a you know marketing automation powerhouse, this is a sales tool, and using that language specifically. This is a, it's a HubSpot is simply a sales tool that'll help us what we do, uh, have help us measure what we're doing, and that's the, the language that Marcus used. 
And once people have bought into the idea of inbound marketing, and that should probably start with a workshop of sorts, and you've developed a bit of a mission statement, it's important to define rules, like what is everyone's role going to be, how they're going to help. Having said that, at the same time, it is important to have a coordinator of sorts. So you need an owner. An owner needs to own this inbound marketing piece, and it, by default, it might be the, uh, the, the the marketing person anyway, but there needs to be an owner. And that owner's job is simply to make the sales team look like rock stars. That is the job. If you're not going to be able to do that, it's going to be a lot harder to get buy-in. And then he also spoke about insourcing, so um, the type of content producers or helpers that every organization will have. You'll have either people who write very well, so they're writers, or they're actors, or they're talkers, uh, or they're questioners. So there are there are different types of roles people can take in the facilitation of the content creation process. You just have to understand who they are and where people are comfortable um, actually assisting. Final, final quick thing with Marcus, uh, Marcus's talk there was around starting at the bottom of funnel. So he spoke about the fact there is a shit ton of shitty content. He didn't use those words, I am. There's a shit ton of shitty content out there. There are, I can't remember the stat now, but like, you know, millions of pieces of content being produced a day, most of it crap. And actually, most of it is not at the bottom of funnel. Most of it is actually top and middle of funnel. So what he spoke about is when you actually get buy-in and you get a team assembled and you understand people's roles and you have an owner, it's starting at the bottom. So to give you an example, of course, Marcus talks about the big five, which we've spoken about to death. These are types of content that people are looking when they're looking to make a decision. It's not like fluffy stuff like, yeah, hey, you know, the best hotspots to go, uh, the best place to go on holiday when you're a luggage company. This is like the cost of luggage A um, Sam and versus Samsonite versus uh, American Tourist Star. Of course, if you don't know Marx's work, is best. So, you know, the best restaurant in town uh, versus this versus that, the cost of something, reviews. And the final one, which I almost always forget, is problems because we don't want to talk about problems. Like what are the problems with the industry or the field or even the product that you're actually selling? Who is this a problem for? Because for someone, it's a problem. For someone, it's a solution. So that sort of stuff. Amazing stuff. Um, and I, I don't know if Marcus is sharing those. If you hit him up, I think his email is marcus1 at thesalesline.com.au. Um, yeah, you can try. I'm, I'm sure he, he's a friendly dude. I'm sure he will share it with you. Now, let me get to Brian and Damesh's keynote. Now, this is this is always a bit of a highlight. Like this is for me so far. This has been uh, my highlight of the conference. Like these guys, every year we'll talk about um, what's coming, what's on trend. Um, you know, you know, ways to kind of grow your business, what you need to look out for. Amazing stuff that I carry with me all year, every time I go. So Brian spoke about. Um, in general, the both of them spoke about the idea of going from startup to scale-up. So let me explain that. There are three phases of business. Phase one is your startup phase, right? You've just sort of started up. You might have you know, one to four or five employees, maybe you know, maybe one to three employees, and you're just sort of starting. Phase two is you're growing a little bit. Maybe it's been you know, three or four years or whatever it is, and now you've got maybe more like 20 employees. Possibly a lot of your business is coming from referrals or recurring business. This is often where a lot of businesses hit a ceiling 
they hit the ceiling of actually cracking through to phase three. So phase three is typically, you know, maybe more than 30 employees, millions of dollars of revenue. Uh, you know, you're able to put more money at the top of, I guess, your, your, your system or your funnel and actually get a decent return out of the bottom. The thing is, for every 100 companies that start in phase one, only five make it to phase three. A lot of companies often, you know, of course, they either fail or they get stuck in those phases and, you know, the, the phase trap, essentially, I'm going to call it. Starting is easier than ever with technology and the cost of actually getting out to market. Starting is very, very easy. However, scaling is getting harder than ever. So in terms of what we're supposed to do about that is Brian shared three muscle groups, what he calls muscle groups, three areas that he says he wished they knew in phase one, phase two, that would have helped them, uh, empower them to move into phase three. And the first one was scaling and managing. Companies are more, I love this quote, companies are more likely to die from overeating than starving, he said. We're more likely to die from overeating than starving. So the idea that we say yes to everything, we do everything, we're still trying to establish our, you know, I guess our minimal viable product, like what is that sweet spot that we want to be known for and do. This is very, very common. So if you are in that phase, don't feel disheartened. This is very, very common in startup phase. Businesses are trying to figure out what they, what they're, what they, what, what are they going to specialize in? They feel that they need to. Actually, they don't think that. They feel that they need to do everything, and and that that's a bit of a problem. So Brian mentioned it's important to understand what you're going to omit, what you're going to stop doing, what are you going to say no to, and what are you going to double down and say yes to. And he shared a template of something they use at HubSpot called, funnily enough, M Spot, and all of these things stand for something. So M was mission. Um, then we had plays. So what we're working on this year. So this document, this is something they still do. They do this every single year. They have the mission of the company, the plays that they're actually going to be working on, and the emissions, funnily enough. Like, what are we deferring this year? The other telling thing Brian mentioned was company versus departments. And we've all seen this. We've all felt this. As businesses grow, their focus shifts for, for what's best for the company, to what's best for the departments, right? As you grow, now you have a sales team and a marketing team and an accounts team and an IT team. What's the best for our department? And we need to be mindful of that. This is very problematic of a lot of businesses. We need to be mindful of this. Very very early HubSpot instilled was that you prioritize the company before the department, before yourself. And actually above all of that, is prioritize the customer. Now, this sounds contradictory, and I thought that when I sat there, but the point is, yes, you're, you're prioritizing customer over the company, over the department, over uh, yourself or an individual, but that's understanding what you say no to at the same time. So if that falls into your spectrum of what's yes and what your sweet spot is, then yes, that's where you prioritize the customer. Make sense? Awesome. So the second thing was hiring muscle. Now, I'm going to wrap this up quite quickly because we are definitely in the coming weeks talking about Brian and Damesh's keynote. But just quickly, the second muscle was around hiring and largely revolved around their culture code. So if you're not familiar with their culture code, it's like this huge document that summarizes their employee value proposition, what they stand for, how they support each other. Um, in a bit of a, like an internal, because mission statements kind of suck, right? Like a bit of an internal mantra of the company. 
Now, this thing, the culture code, has been viewed by millions of people online. It's been shared. It's been spoke about. It's been uh, discussed in, in HR journals and stuff. It's legendary stuff. And if you want to know more about this, you can definitely Google culture code, HubSpot culture code. And also check out episode 43 of uh, Inbound Buzz, where I interviewed Katie Burke, who discusses that. And she's like the head of HR, like the head of, uh, they don't call it HR, they call it something quirky like people and culture or something but she's just amazing she's an amazing amazing person so check that interview out redpandas.com.au forward slash ep43 if you want to hear more about the culture code as well um finally they the, the third muscle so the, the the muscle groups the first one was scaling and managing second one was second one was hiring muscle and the third one was scaling and customer experience one of my favorite parts and this is one thing i'll touch on before i move on one of my favorite parts was what you focus on when it comes to the customer experience during phases one, two, and three. So for phase one, it is your minimal minimal viable product. Now this is very much kind of startup language, you know, tech startup language, but it can be applied to any business. Minimal viable product. What is the product or the service that is going to be the, the core thing that we need to actually survive? Like what is the core thing we're going to double down on? That's the focus in phase one. Phase two, it's product market fit. So that's what we're actually focusing on. Now let's look at our product marketing fit. Not that you don't look at these in other phases, but this is where a lot of the focus comes from. What markets are we? Uh, can we diversify or expand into based on our strengths and, and what can we actually start developing? So like just to give you a really quick example, people don't realize, and we speak about this all the time, niching and specializing. When Facebook came out, it wasn't for everyone on earth. It was for like college, like remember when it was called the Facebook, it was for college students at Harvard and Cambridge or whatever it was. That's what it was for. And then it started expanding, expanding its scope. So they were looking at product market fit. Phase three is product market delight. How we actually delight our customers. What can we do to facilitate the, not the what they're buying, but the how they buy it. And I'm not going to go into this too much, but Damesh spoke a lot about companies that succeed, these disruptors, they focused on how people bought their things. Like when you compare Uber to the taxi industry, for example, Airbnb to hotel, it wasn't the what, it was the how they were delighting people and how they were facilitating um, the, the fulfillment of that product or service. Okay, finally, 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 let me get to the jewels of today's uh, recap summary episode whatever you want to call it and that's the hubspot product announcements so speaking to speaking of entire episodes dedicated to inbound this is definitely going to be one as well i mentioned yesterday if you caught up with our yesterday day one pop-up is um they gave partners a bit of a sneak peek a day before right i mean like how how annoying especially for someone like me who just talks all the time how annoying like you have to keep a secret and you have to keep it for one day <laughs> but anyway I, I survived and today well yesterday because i'm this has started day three today i'm about to jump into yesterday they mentioned um all the features and they made them public public a lot of these not all of these a lot of these you can access and check them out at hubspot.com forward slash new hubspot.com forward slash new and yeah so they essentially took it public there are some crazy things on the horizon so much so i can safely say that i really can't see any marketing automation company in the world catching up 
And I mean that. I'm not saying that lightly. I can't see any company in this space because it's really beyond marketing automation now catching up. And this is the thing. It's not like I'm on this buzz and I and you know I'm just in orange and this orange vacuum that I'm caught up in. I safely could not say that last year. I could not say that the year before. So let me take you through a couple of quick highlights today, and we'll go over these a little bit more in in future detail. And I'm sure you'll see them around the the webs as well. The first one is website. So finally, for the love of God, like for all that is good and holy, they have changed. It used to be called HubSpot Cos, and then it was like, no, no, we're not going to call it HubSpot Cos anymore. We're going to call it HubSpot Website or whatever it is. Now they're calling it a CMS. Everyone knows what a CMS is. Let's freaking just call it a CMS. And next year, let's call HubSpot and HubSpot Conference. <laughs> That's another discussion. So the HubSpot CMS, that's what they're calling it now. It's, it's a, you know, it's it, it's the more of the like WordPress is a CMS, Magento, Shopify, they're CMSs. So people understand that language. A lot of updates. Apparently, it is two times faster than the average CMS in Northern America. It's also now 20% faster than previously compared against itself. There are loads of security features, and this is particularly important if you're a website, if, if you're an industry that has a website on WordPress that's been hacked or, I mean, honestly, even me, I'm a digital marketing agency owner. Our website got hacked earlier this year. We sorted that out. But um, yeah, so WordPress is the most hacked platform on earth because it's ubiquitous, because it's really, really open source. Um, so yes, HubSpot CMS is more secure. Doesn't mean WordPress is going to break down and, and people are going to kind of tear shreds through it but in terms of risk mitigation hubspot is safer and they've also finally released ssl certificates for free if you're on the hubspot cms so ssl is that thing that you see in short uh, a website that's https the s is stands for that secure certificate so awesome awesome stuff a couple other quick things native search so a lot of websites used to rely on google search right you could actually use google's fuzzy logic uh, search on your website to search your own website. But now um, that is kind of died out. And we spoke about this uh, earlier this year or maybe last year as well. HubSpot CMS will have its own native search. because so you have search bar on your website and you can search for content. And uh, I don't know how good or bad it is, but they wouldn't have released this thing if it wasn't gonna be damn close to Google's one. There, it is now even easier to use without a developer, HubSpot. The, the amount of templates, and look, this isn't really an update, but the amount of templates, it, how it's evolved, it is really, really easier. But at the same time, HubSpot has realized they need to attract the developer world. Just like kind of WordPress did, just like Shopify did, they need to uh, attract the developer world because they these guys are going to be the workforce, the, the force behind propelling HubSpot. So they made it even friendlier for them. So it's not only great for us non-techies, but it's also great for developers now. Um, the other thing, Shopify integration, that is now native. You don't have to go buy another thing to connect your Shopify and your... Um, uh, so this is, of course, I'm moving off the CMS now. So if you have HubSpot as a marketing automation or a CRM tool, you want to connect it to your Shopify. You had to kind of do things before, like pay for something in the middle. Now there'll be a native integration, which is awesome. And they'll also have this thing called e-commerce bridge so if you're not on Shopify or on Magento or something else you can use this thing as a bit of a middleware for you all right quickly moving through uh, Facebook 
Facebook. Now, this is lead ads. This is something that's been around for a little while, maybe a month or two, uh, which is free. It's a free feature in HubSpot. So how that works is if you've ever run a lead ad before is you have an ad in the newsfeed that says, oh, you know, like sign up for a demo, a free demo, whatever it is, as opposed to taking some to a landing page, the form pops up there. It's embedded, it's integrated. Um, there is not another another kind of barrier to jump. They work quite well. The problem was is you would have to take that data, export a, sp a spreadsheet from uh, Facebook and then import it. Now it's integrated. So now you can actually see the lead source, where they came from. They're automatically populated in your HubSpot. It's sweet, sweet, sweet stuff. This is another thing. Now, the, the, this is a new thing that I'll, that I'll discuss. The, or the idea of audience sync. So they've released this feature called audience sync. Now there's good and bad. The good is freaking amazing. The good is that you can um, sync it with lists, right? So with with Facebook ads, if you're a little bit familiar with it, you can do things like custom audiences and lookalike audiences. So you can say, for example, okay, I'm going to export my database, and this is how we used to do it. I'm going to export my database in HubSpot or a list, for example, and I want to target these are the email addresses, and all of those email addresses, if they have a Facebook account, I want to target them with this particular ad or offer. You might have a particular a product or a service or some or a persona list or something that you want to target, and you could do it that way. But it was a pain in the bum because you'd have to do that every couple of months. If you wanted to do a lookalike on that said list, you'd have to do that every couple of months. But now with Audience Sync, it does that automatically. This is freaking awesome. You don't have to export like a like a nutcase every other month. It will do it automatically. Now the, the slightly bad thing is is it comes with the paid ads add-on. So you'll have to actually pay for that if you have HubSpot as well um, to be able to have audience sync. But in a way, now the ads add-on is slight, getting slightly more valuable as an offering. But it didn't do much before. Now it's doing a lot more. It has a lot more robust features. So even more reason to kind of give it a second go. But hey, if you're not even doing if you're not even pulling um, databases already, then maybe do that first before you actually go down the automated route. All right, really quickly, I got two, uh, two or three more things. Um, Sales Pro. So Damesh and Brian mentioned this is the biggest R&D project for HubSpot in years. Sales Pro is going to, like, it's going to be injected with steroids or something. There's going to be a lot more. Uh, artificial intelligence. This is something that is coming as a result of their Motion.ai acquisition. So consider, like, consider this, right? Like a system that will send uh, your prospects automated emails, not workflow triggered, automated emails based on something that they've done, right? Like written in human language, but written by a robot. Like this stuff isn't isn't it or here already, but it's coming, and that's why HubSpot has purchased Motion.ai. It's going to do other simpler things as well. Like for example, you know, you you might craft an email and you set it to send at most optimal time, and HubSpot will figure out when is this person most engaged with you or your your assets. When do they typically open their emails? That's when we're going to send this email for greater chances of success. Really cool stuff. They've actually already got a lot of this. Um, AI in working in the background with predictive lead scoring, but that's also going to be taken up a notch as well. So this new Sales Pro um, is the the downside is it's actually going to go up. So currently, like it's like fifty dollars a month Australian. Um, the downside is it's going to go up to four hundred four hundred dollars for five users. So it's, it currently it's fifty dollars a month per user. So if you purchase before November the first, and this is the good news, you can save about a hundred and fifty bucks. Amazing stuff. This is something I'm definitely going to get onto. Customer Hub. 
Now, when you look at the entire HubSpot, this is, this is another update I'm talking about, the customer hub. When you look at the HubSpot or the inbound methodology, you've got attract, convert, delight. And HubSpot admittedly has said, like we've got a lot of tools for attract and convert, but not a lot for delight. And the thing is like, and I know for my own business, like a lot of my, the clients that I get, a lot of my clients still come from referrals. A lot of the, and not only that, the trust level is already there. So we close them higher and they, they typically spend more money with us as well because of that trust. And according to the Harvard Business Review, it can be up to 25 times more expensive to acquire a new customer than to keep an existing one. And customer delight has always been part of the inbound methodology, but they didn't really have anything for it. This customer hub thing, and this is still kind of high level, but hopefully this makes sense. It took me a while to get my head around of it, uh, head, head around it, excuse me. But it's going to enable you to do a couple of key things. One, keep a pulse on customer happiness. So if you're aware of NPS, the Net Promoter Score, how Net Promoter Score works, it's, it's one question, and you'll often seen this, or maybe you've done this, is how likely would you recommend us, right? And you've got one to ten. Nine to ten are always like um, they're they're the they're the positive ones, right? They're like the advocates, and then you got detractors, and you got all these other ones. So they're going to be able to integrate that. Um, a couple of other quick key features: easily identify and respond to issues using sentiment analysis and churn forecasting. You, you actually understand what their sentiment is and the forecast of your churn. Cool stuff. Automate customer testimonial captures, and I, I cannot wait. I don't know how they're going to do this. I cannot wait to be able to automate customer testimonial captures. Some of this stuff you can already do. Just keep that in mind. Like if you have HubSpot, you can trigger a workflow that if someone you know is really really happy, and you may trigger that by like a lead score. Like if some you know you might have your lead stages where the final one is customer, another one could be like an advocate. If you trigger that, it will send them this email and it will ask for a testimony or whatever. But the point is you you won't have to do that according to this thing. Another thing, help customers help themselves with a robust knowledge center. So building your own knowledge center, cool stuff. This is something Intercom is already doing and I can see convergence and a bit of like competition going on between these two guys, cool stuff. Uh, the final thing, and this is very exciting stuff. I don't know what is more exciting. I really can't get my head around it. This is conversations. So HubSpot already had messages where sales can chat with live prospects and book it into their calendar. But conversations takes it a step further. It's a shared inbox between the sales, marketing team, um, where it kind of channels in all the interactions with that customer. So I'm looking at a bit of a screenshot here, and I can see like on the left-hand side, got sales, marketing, customer, social, cool stuff. It truly is a hub because it pulls in conversations from every marketing channel and allows you to build, bring any member of your team into that thread or maybe you know, maybe you don't want them as well, so there'll be privacy settings. You'll be able to see in this hub, in this kind of customer view, emails from everyone, marketing, sales, whatever, live chat interactions, SMS, that is cool, Facebook, Twitter, now my first thought when I saw this was, but isn't this like the timeline? Like isn't this like a contact record? Well no, it is not. It's not like that, a couple of reasons. One is the sales team will probably use, but you know, if they're using CRM and then you've got marketing, using marketing, they'll be using their own views, right? They'll be using their own stuff. They don't wanna see all the stuff that marketing might be doing. They they, they wanna see their calls and their phone calls and whatever, they wanna see that. And they want certain bits of information, deal stages, 
pipeline stages, all that sort of stuff. Marketing will have a different view, right? And maybe other teams will want to see different things. This is different because this kind of brings it all together. You still do your stuff in your marketing or your sales portal, your CRM portal, whatever it is you're doing. But here, if you want to see actually like the, the, the 360 of that customer, you can see. Also, the way it's structured, you can see their interactions on SMS. You can see what's happening on social media. The timeline doesn't necessarily give you that. This, this will. So I think this is fantastic. And I can't wait for this to go out in the wild. And the good news is this is actually free. This is coming free with HubSpot free CRM. Very, very clever freemium play by HubSpot indeed. All right, I'm off to go see Michelle Obama. I hear that there are already lines down the road, so I'm not really looking forward to it. There are, they've got these crazy security checks. They want us to be there by 7.30. But anyway, I'm excited nonetheless. Catch me again tomorrow for a day three wrap-up of Inbound 17. Catch you later.